Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 94, Memphis Melody. Get on down there, move it! What's going on? Find out soon enough, boy. Huh? You need a little trim, Elvis. Look, guys, I, I think we just discussed this. If we, you, you know, uh, talk about this, we can work it all out, you know? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. I think we should take a little off the top first. Maybe I ought to take some off your top first. <laughs> we ain't through with you yet. I'm all shook up. You quit taking fights, huh? You'll never guess who's in the waiting room. Elvis Presley. <laughs> you're him, and he's you. I'm him and he's me. This Red West, one of Elvis's best friends. This is incredible, huh? She's gonna barf all over the place. Well, I think he's right. Why am I here as Elvis Presley? Because this is a very important time in Elvis's life. In only two days, he gets discovered. He got discovered just fine without my help. You're not here to help Elvis. What? 81% chance you're here to help Sue Ann. Well, but not now. Look, if I'm supposed to help her, why can't I start helping her right now? Because no matter what you do, yeah. you cannot, not, not, not mess up for Elvis or change anything because you'll change history big time. You know, stage fright can be a good thing because once your, you know, your knees start to knock and it kind of gets you moving. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't worry much about my knees. Oh, oh, yeah. Miss Julie. I guess I'll never make it to the Opry. Why not? Why not? You just saw. Why not? All right, come on, sing something right now. Sing with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Sweat? What in God's earth is going on here? You keep a distance from my fiance, yeah? Ziggy says Sue and Winters really didn't do anything with the singer. She married Frank and he left her after two years. And he was kind of free and easy with the back of his hand, too. Well, we can't let that happen. Well, look, both of us know you're here to help Sue Ann. But you can't mess up anything for Elvis. Al, Sue Ann is special. I mean, there's something 
unique about her. I mean, she's innocent and, and, and vulnerable. Yeah, and, I know. Uh, Elvis has a soft spot for her, too, but the Hollywood publicists did not want him to have a girl back home, so... So he forgot about it, her. Oh, I don't know if he forgot about her, but he never went back for her, so don't think what you're thinking. How do you know what I'm thinking? Because I know you. Look, Phillips is leaving for Nashville this afternoon. You, you can't mess up this audition, Sam. What have you got to lose? You come with me, you audition for Mr. Phillips, he doesn't sign you, you come back, you marry Frank. But what if he likes us? Wouldn't that be a wonderful choice to have? Mr. Phillips? Mr. Keysker? Hello? Tell Presley. Oh, no, they gotta be in there. It wasn't meant to be, Elvis. It was. No. If the good Lord wanted me to be a singer, then Mr. Phillips should still be here. Maybe the good Lord's testing you. You know, it isn't easy reaching for those stars. Look, I had no business trying in the first place. Swing, let's sit down. You listen to me. I listen to you plenty. I listen to all your crazy dreaming. And I gave it a chance. And now I'll never wonder what I missed. Because I didn't miss nothing. I gotta go. Sue. Hello, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Alison Pregler. <laughs> oh, no, don't. We can't do <laughs> you impressions. Have to do it. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> baby, baby, baby. Baby, baby, uh-huh. baby. And I'm Matt Dale. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> baby, 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 baby. Baby, baby, baby. My first and last voice for this podcast. <laughs> I want a podcast with you. Hey, guys. <laughs> I think that we're going to have entirely too much fun discussing Memphis Melody today. Yes, surprise. It's the Elvis episode, if you couldn't tell from that spectacular intro. (laughs) Matt, listen, you are better than your word, because at the end of the last episode, we tried to get you to say, thank you very much, and you demurred, and you deferred, and you said, maybe I'll pull an accent out for Mirror Image. But here we are, it's not Mirror Image yet, and you finally, you pulled it out. And it was spectacular. What were you worried about? I th- I I don't know, you guys. It's just this. That's a that's a big one. That's Elvis. I mean, <laughs> you said you you weren't even that familiar with Elvis, and you're like, oh, I don't want to. Yeah, but ev- <laughs> everyone has an Elvis impression inside them. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you know Elvis or not. Everyone has it in them <laughs> somewhere. I've I've got something special planned for Mirror Image. Don't you worry. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> well, um, I just want to go on record uh, apologizing to all of the Elvis fans out there who heard me at the end of the last episode say suspicious lies instead of suspicious <gasps> minds. You were probably going nuts, yelling at your podcatcher saying, Chris, you're an idiot. It's not suspicious lies. It's suspicious minds. And I realized that I misspoke as I was editing it, but I didn't want to take it out because I wanted to be able to say, we can go on together mm-hmm. with Suspicious minds. Suspicious. All right. I just wanted. Suspicious (laughs) minds. I wanted an excuse to sing again, guys. Oh no, is that is that what this recording's gonna be about? Is this gonna be you two singing and me looking a little bit shifty and uncomfortable? We have to stay true to the episode. Constant Elvis references. Constant even if we're not singing the songs, they're gonna be splattered into the dialogue somewhere. I feel like I didn't research the right thing. Don't get all shook up about it. 
I adore singing, so um, since this episode was largely an excuse for Scott to sing and dance, I don't see why this podcast can't be an excuse for me to sing. And maybe I'll dance. You won't be able to see it. But you do you, Chris. I'm dancing in my chair. I'm dancing in my heart. So, <laughs> <laughs> so guys, um, here we are, the penultimate episode of Quantum Leap, uh, one of the biggest gimmicks of season five. And I would like to get your initial impressions. Matt, let's start with you since you were so gracious- what? to uh to bless us with your elvis presley impersonation <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay um yeah i have feelings about this episode but it it's it's fun um it's enjoyable it goes to some places we've been before and it does it quite well and yeah like you say it, it is a big ass gimmick which uh, maybe so late in the run isn't that great but if parking that now i i quite like it as an episode i quite like it but i'm looking forward to getting into the ups and downs of it all right and how about you Allison? Uh, i'm just gonna say what uh matt is dancing around like it's not that great to be honest <laughs> 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 look it is fun they're having fun it is a last hurrah let's have fun before the end kind of thing <laughs> um and also a bit of a grab, like they're like, maybe we can get renewed if we get, you know, like a lot of uh, viewers for this Elvis thing. Uh, it's a celebrity leap that um, it does a lot of the annoying things that I'm not very into with celebrity leaps. Uh, there's some good things in there, but uh, I don't know. It's 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 not a great episode, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be with you on this one, Allison, and with you on this one, Matt. I just finished watching it, so I'm a little bit high on the episode. That's why I'm singing. I mean, I literally finished it five minutes before we got on mic, so it's fresh in my mind, and I did enjoy it. It's a fun episode, and I think it was really, I guess, the show's way to remind you what a talent we have in Scott Bakula, giving him a chance to sing and dance one more time before the end. Mm. Yeah, it was great seeing him do that. Yeah, he, it's one of the things he does best. So it was great to have a showcase for that, like one last hurrah. And yeah, did it have problems? Yes. Was the story a little thin? <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, you walk away tapping your feet and you have a smile on your face and you don't think too hard about it. And I don't think you should. I don't know. To me, to me, this episode is the equivalent of like when you used to see those like uh, CD compilation uh, album um, ads on TV late night. It'd be like, do you love the golden oldies <laughs> and playing on the nostalgia and like, yeah, I do. Do you like some Elvis? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. We're going to get all of Elvis's hits in here. Allison. <laughs> In this episode's defense, you've just described Quantum Leap. I mean, isn't that no, okay. what was, Don Belisario right. said at the start? Yes. Like, hey, do, did you love the 60s? Did you love the 70s? Well, let's spend five years messing around. <laughs> yes, this is, what, this is what Donald Belisario wanted the show to be. But I do feel like it transcended a bit of that boomer nostalgia that they were going for. And this episode is a lot of like, just like, isn't Elvis great? Let's quote Elvis songs. Elvis, 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 but it doesn't feel like it's giving us a lot about Elvis as a, as a character, as a person. It's, it's kind of thin to me. Um, even to the point where, um, at the very end, like, uh, when Scott's singing and dancing in the diner and, uh, the, the music producer, he goes like, A white man with a black voice. Like, that is a real quote, uh, from that producer. 
Uh, but it's it's very lightly touching on the fact that there was this very ambiguous uh, relationship between uh, black people and Elvis Presley and him being the king of rock and roll and building on things that black artists uh, created. And it just feels like, why are you bringing it up if you're not going to bring it up? There's a lot of things about Elvis Presley they could have brought up instead of just like, isn't he cool? Yeah. Oh, gotta love Elvis. <laughs> And I guess that you could have turned it into somewhat of an issues episode if that was your goal. It didn't need to be an issues episode, but if you're going to bring it up, then you're bringing it up. Mm. But also, like, it just needed to have uh, anything. It just felt like it was so low stakes. That's true. And I have to say, I want to go back to one of your original uh, jokes here. The fact that this is almost like one of those late night Ronco compilations. Yeah. My first note here is this is Public Domain's greatest hits. For an Elvis episode, we got barely any Elvis at all. Oh, it's expensive. <laughs> and uh, Quantum Leap, their budget at the point, very little. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the, the songs that they did pick were, oof, they were a little a little rough. Um not to say that they didn't sing them well, and I don't know about gospel, so I don't know about the gospel songs that they sang, if those are in the public domain as well. Yeah, they are. But the only thing that was missing was Jimmy Crackhorn. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's just, it was, it, was, it was thin on the Elvis, and the Elvis that we did get, they're not like two really well-known Elvis songs. I guess Blue Moon of Kentucky is. But if you're not an Elvis fan, I don't know Baby Let's Play House. I just know Baby, Baby, Baby from Quantum Leap. I don't think I've ever heard this song outside of Quantum Leap. I've heard it. I think, um, I could be wrong. Was that from, did he sing that in Jailhouse Rock, the movie? I'm not sure. I have never seen Jailhouse Rock. I have a confession to make. I've never seen an Elvis movie. I haven't either, so I, can't, I don't know why I'm assuming that. I feel like I've heard that that was in there. Not even on movie nights? No, I have. What? You, why, why are you getting on me? You just said that you haven't seen any. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I figured, I figured like Elvis movies would be like a prime target for movie nights to goof on. Oh, you know, I thought about it, but uh, no, I haven't seen them. Oh, okay. All right. I wasn't I wasn't picking on you. I was just surprised. Yeah, I think the the closest I've ever come to seeing an Elvis movie is when they break into Jailhouse Rock at the end of the Blues Brothers. But uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's about where it begins and ends for me. See, for me, the Elvis songs that I know the best are the ones from the Quantum Leap album. So I thought these were the biggest <laughs> Elvis songs, um, just by some kind of weird meta. I don't know. I mean, I guess they they do have the excuse to be like he is ju Elvis just starting out, so he doesn't have to do all of his greatest hits. He just has to touch on whatever they can afford and in whatever he auditioned with, and kind of allude to some of it because they they mention a lot of songs and they're like, "That was great, us singing that Christmas song that we did not." <laughs> show him recording yeah. oh i was so disappointed oh it's been so long since i saw this and blue christmas i love that song to pieces and when scott said how about blue christmas i was like did i forget that they say oh no no they don't. no <laughs> all right and they'll mention some of them by name but they won't sing them like they don't sing all shook up but they're like hey we know that one they just cut slightly short of the comedy, opening his mouth to take a breath and then cut away. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's almost that bad. Yeah. yeah, you know we can't afford this. It was like that Christmas movie they filmed over the pandemic and they keep having all these off-screen parties. And they're like, that was great, that big party we were at. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I, you know what? I don't mind that they went for Elvis, that they're leaning into the boomer nostalgia once again. But, but if and you're I, not going to have it, like, if it's going to be based so much on nostalgia for Elvis's music and you can't use the music, I don't know how satisfying that is for someone who's just tuning in to see, like, an Elvis Presley thing. Hmm. But I mean, granted, I've seen like a lot of shows throw in like Elvis Presley in one way or another, you know, like Elvis impersonators or an Elvis themed episode or whatever. And almost none of them can afford <laughs> Elvis's music. So it's almost always like just get kind of a twang. And I mean, at least they didn't have Scott Bakula wearing like his suit, the famous suit from like the 70s. You know, they tried to make yeah. him less of a caricature. Yeah. And I, you know what? I have to ask you guys a question. Speaking of Elvis in the 70s, before this episode arrived, Outside of this episode, what did you think of Elvis Presley? Did you think of Elvis at all? Let me ground this in my experience. Being um, a kid in the 70s, Elvis was still alive. And I remember I had one friend in kindergarten. It was first grade. I had to be six or seven years old. And his mom loved, loved, loved Elvis. And I remember going to the bus stop one day and she brought him to the bus stop and she was hysterical crying. And, you know, she left him there. I said, what's the matter with your mom? He, she, he said, you don't know? I said, what? He said, Elvis died. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. Um, sure. Um, I, know Elvis almost as a parody of Elvis because yeah. mm -hmm. in the 70s he was a parody of Elvis so to see them portray the young Elvis in this I think did Elvis a service and did Elvis fans a service and I've become much more of a fan of Elvis over the years um, than I was when I first saw this episode so I like seeing that side of the performer and I'm happy that they focused on his early years as opposed to his decline like they did with Marilyn but what about you guys? I mean, did you have any kind of like, uh, what was Elvis in your universe before this? I mean, for me growing up, Elvis was the guy that uh, didn't really die and kept being seen by people in the National Enquirer and <laughs> probably having been taken by aliens. As I grew up, I discovered that he also sung some songs. And um, yeah, I, although I've never been a fan of his, I, I get the fact that, and I, I think I, I, I don't remember learning the fact that he definitely had... Uh, <laughs> stages in his life and there were very different types of music that he sang and he was a very different type of person i'm talking about this historically as if like this isn't what i know about him now that that is the beginning and end of my elvis knowledge but um that it just feels like something i've always known and i'm also glad that they they went for early elvis I mean, the only thing is, I, I'm glad you mentioned the, the Marilyn episode because I think this being an early Elvis, it doesn't feel like there's that much to do with him. And I know yeah. we've already touched on this in the discussion so far. That he's just there as an excuse to do singing and dancing and the story isn't about him. If they had have done later Elvis, they could have done a story about some of the more troubling stuff. But that clearly wasn't what they were going for, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, Elvis to me... Like, his music's great. Like, I've I've enjoyed it. Like, I'm not obsessed with Elvis or anything, but, like, I enjoy his songs. Um, But I uh, rarely ever see a very interesting take on Elvis because 
he's largely been a caricature when when people are talking about him. Like, it's kind of a joke to throw Elvis into something. Mm -hmm. And uh, I commend Quantum Leap for, I mean, they never really did caricatures of things unless maybe there's like a a cameo from someone. They might do something like that. But, um, you know, they do try to tell stories about them as people. I'm glad that they chose uh, his earlier years. Uh, But the story is just so small and doesn't really feel like it's about much of anything. Like, it's so low stakes. When he leaps in, it's like, will Elvis get a haircut or not? <laughs> Find out next week. <laughs> All right? Uh-oh. Who, who cares? I, I did appreciate, though, the guy who uh, played the reflection of Elvis, uh, he played Elvis in a lot of things. Um, he was uh, an actor who did other stuff as well, and uh, he had a recurring role on Beverly Hills 90210 as a very sexy drama professor. Ooh. Yeah. So just enjoyed seeing well, him. Look at that. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm going to say that false memory is a thing, everyone, because Elvis Presley died August 16th, 1977, when I was seven years old. And as a result, there was no way I could have been at the bus stop. So oh. don't ask me where that memory evolved. It just hatched itself in my brain. And that's the way I did remember it. I but. mean, maybe you heard it somewhere. You just conflated it with the bus stop because school or something. Yeah, it could have been. Maybe I heard it on the block where we used to wait for the bus because that wasn't the only thing we did on that block. The candy store was right there too. So (laughs) maybe we were just at the candy store. Okay. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, Welcome down memory lane. That was um, in the Bronx, everyone. Um, (laughs) But that guy, Professor Sexy, as you call him, Allison, um, (laughs) I thought they really got another great ringer. For Elvis, I mean, the fact that Mm -hmm. I think here's one thing that this episode did better than the Marilyn episode is that we weren't subject to watching an impersonator, however good that impersonator is, watching an impersonator play someone who's a historical figure is always going to take you out of it a little bit. So I think that um, that was one of one of the pitfalls of the Marilyn Monroe episode that they sort of avoided here. And at the same time, um, I thought that that guy was such a dead ringer that the mirror images that they did use, I think they used them just enough and to some really good effect, especially when he was singing Blue Moon in the studio. And then they cut to the reflection in the glass, and it's just a very vague reflection, but it's like Elvis is singing it. So I thought that they navigated that portion of it much better. So, Chris, do you think the Marilyn episode would have been better if Sam had leapt into Marilyn? <laughs> Hell yeah, it would have been. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you could get. I don't know how you could get better than that, Matt. I mean, that's yeah. a loaded question, sir. <laughs> I'm amazed we didn't talk about that during the recording. It's just come to mind now. You compare the two, then it would be the Quantum Creep comic <laughs> that yes. has the cover yeah. of him in the Marilyn right. dress. Right. <laughs> And and I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I feel like what I said is almost downing Susan Griffith's performance as Marilyn in that episode. But like I said for our podcast for Goodbye Norma Jean, I thought that she was wonderful in it and I thought she carried it admirably. I don't think that it's a Susan Griffith's problem. I think it's just a problem with this type of premise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're watching someone try and do an interpretation of what uh, this historical figure would have done in this particular scenario. It's different than seeing Sam trying to figure out how this person would have acted. 
There are times in this episode, too, where it feels like uh, Scott Bakula is doing a bit of an Elvis impersonation. I don't know if a maybe bit? that he, he, is, he gets very <laughs> Southern, I mean, especially he's like, I'm Elvis Presley. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, I don't know if he's playing it like um, residuals or something. He did that with Dr. Ruth, where like there's just kind of pieces coming through. Any excuse to do an accent. <laughs> especially a Southern accent. It really comes out <laughs> a lot when he's playing Southern characters. I guess it's a theme for some of the final episodes because we got Southern on steroids in <laughs> Leap Between the States and now we got a uh, tinge of Elvis this time. So I just think it's in good fun. It doesn't feel like he's he's going into like a parody at any point. It just like occasionally he's just very Southern. Yeah. And I think where the parody almost comes in is when he starts singing, baby, let's play house. <laughs> <laughs> That was obviously ridiculously over the top on purpose, and both the Baby Let's Play House and the Blue Moon of Kentucky, you could tell that they just slid right into studio tracks. It was like a yeah. you know giant musical, because those are both on the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Who are all of these people in the diner just standing around with instruments? <laughs> Who are these people? Just waiting. There's someone with like a full-on bass. It's not just like, okay, there's the cook in the back who's got like a harmonica, okay. But then like, who are, who are all these other people? Oh, well, you know what? That was the most realistic part. I used to be a short order cook and a harmonica came with the apron. that i just don't believe everyone else just sitting around with the backing instruments at the doing what are they supposed to be from the talent show like they they headed on over there yeah the the diner is clearly very near to the recording studio like next so door this is just yeah so this is where they hang out these these could have been people <laughs> that were recording earlier or uh, planning on recording no i got nothing no I got no nothing. honestly they could they lo- could be session players they could be studio musicians in their job is right next door but it is the typical unbelievable musical thing where someone starts singing and suddenly everyone else can just jam with it and figure out exactly <laughs> what he's singing. I've never heard this song before, but I'm going to play it. It was going with musical rules, not real world rules. Yes, you yes. know. So, but I, I mean, I did enjoy like Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell like standing on the counter rocking out together. Like that's probably my favorite part of the episode. Yeah, and this is a total musical. I mean, you have to really just put away all preconceived notions of what makes a TV show and say, oh, this is just a musical. Because otherwise, the singing and the dancing just are like, what? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) You're kidding, right? I mean, when that dude came out through the window with his harmonica, I was just like, oh, I rolled my eyes. You probably could hear it over the pond, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what was that? Did you guys uh, catch the cameo from... um Scott Bakula's daughter in the diner? Yes. Oh, was that the little girl with the gloves who was saying grace? Yeah. Oh, that I didn't know that he had a daughter. Very That's cute. his daughter? Yeah. Scott has kids? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be. He's even been married a couple times. <laughs> no, don't say that. Some of the ladies out there are going to be heartbroken. You don't listen to Allison. She's mean, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be so sad watching this episode, seeing how sexy he looks in it. He looked damn good in this episode. 
He had like that kind of like see-through black top on, and then he had like the the suit jacket with no shirt underneath. It looks very good on him. Yeah. <laughs> you okay, Matt? Yeah. I'll t- just give me a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just need a stronger <laughs> cup of tea. Well, I was curious to know, Matt, how close are these to real historic events in Elvis's life? And I was curious to know if when you were researching your book, um, you did any kind of comparison to what went on in this episode compared to the real evolution of Elvis's early career. Yeah, I, I did. And I gather quite a lot of it was it happened, just not necessarily in that order or on that, that time. It seemed to be very much inspired by real life events, in inverted commas. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of the, the key notes were there. Just the, this was about five years worth of stuff happening in a couple of days. And once again, we touch on one of the problems that uh, we faced with the Marilyn Monroe episode. Um, your enjoyment of this episode might be in direct proportion to your fandom for Elvis. You might see some of the things that they're doing and the liberties that they might be taking and saying, wait a minute, it didn't happen this way. This isn't Elvis's life. What is Quantum Leap doing? Or you might be like me who says, well, I don't really know how he was discovered. And honestly, who cares if they can make a good story out of it? Yeah. Uh, Or even an okay story out of it. It's fun to watch Scott (laughs) sing and dance. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, because the story really is supposed to be about Sue Ann and, um, Elvis is just in the periphery and he has to make sure his life is on track. A lot of the focus is on Elvis and not really on Sue Ann. And then Sue Ann's st- like, she has some stage fright and then he helps her out and uh, her fiance is kind of a dick. And I don't know, it's just kind of hard to get into that story. Well, I think that it's because it touches on some of the more stock plots that we've seen in Quantum Leap, especially about female empowerment in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And I think they tried to do the same thing in Liberation, and it felt like a retread then. At least with the Sue Ann storyline, we got to have some more singing, some different singing, and some very nice singing. I thought that those gospel numbers were really terrific. She sounded great. Yeah. She's got like a, a million voice actor roles. Like she's a very prolific yeah. actress. Was that her singing or was she just uh, lip syncing another artist? Do we know? I thought it was her. If it was someone else, sounded a lot like her, but. Given the amount of voice work she does, it seems like they might have got her for her ability to act and sing. Uh, this was um, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn. I mean, she's done. It's mostly voice acting that she's done, so you might not have seen her, but she's done some um, on camera stuff as well. She was in an episode of Xena, and when I was watching it, I was like, hey, it's Sue Ann from Quantum Leap. <laughs> <laughs> she is described on IMDb as a singer songwriter. All right, yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, amongst other things. The thing I find different about Sue Ann 
to uh, yes it is well trodden ground it, it, we've we've seen this plot a dozen times before but i do think she's written really well and mary elizabeth mcglynn plays her in a really engaging way and i'm i'm swept along with it whenever i watch it and i do enjoy that plot line even though i've seen it a dozen times before this is one of the stronger attempts at it and not because they're doing anything different or unique it's just um just something about the character pulls me in Sam does have some nice moments with her. There are some times where Sam's a little bit uh, wiener-ish about it. <laughs> Elaborate? <laughs> okay, so when he first sees her, he goes into the talent show, and she gets uh, scared. He's like, poor thing. Poor thing. Poor and thing. Then, yeah, and then like he goes and runs up to her, this woman he doesn't know, and that was a little bit of a weird interaction, and then she runs off to go barf, and he goes, poor thing. And like it, ju- it just felt very weenie-ish. Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I noticed the poor things as well. It's um, it is weird how he seems attracted to her so quickly. Well, I think that that's sort of where the episode might have done with a little less rushing to the yes. song and dance numbers and mm-hmm. a little bit more of the character development. Because, yeah. I mean, I said that the story was thin and. I don't think it's thin in the ideas that it espouses, but there's just, like you said, Allison, not a lot of interaction. When you go to basically a third act open, that's a stock footage montage of how wonderful the 50s was. Oh, that was terrible. (laughs) Yeah. And I I can tell you this, um, having been a TV producer, when you got nothing, you know what you pull out of your bag of tricks? Montage! Oh, yeah, yeah. That's like when uh, in the the Diaper Monkey episode, when they just pull out all the space race footage and then they just start like dubbing space over that stuff. yeah that that's what you do i don't blame them for for cutting corners uh but it still does not seem great it like it doesn't come off great um you do what you gotta do but you can tell the budget at the time that's 30 seconds of script they could have had but that also could be they were just running under when they were piecing it together though that's not necessarily because they didn't have the material and didn't know what to do Okay, but either way, how dare you impugn Diaper Monkey's montage, which was in service of the story, seeing all of the torture that Sam was going through. I thought that was really funny and added to the story. No, not that one. I'm talking about when they were cutting to the rocket footage and all the stock footage. Oh, but you needed that to get the sense of peril. No, you don't. They just, they were <laughs> short and they had to dub up. That one was worse than this one. But that, that that also, that montage was further made me think of those like CD compilation ads. Where they're like, remember the good old 50s? <laughs> Enjoy the hits at the sock hop. <laughs> there is sort of a dark heart though, at the center of that Corneaton montage that we got to see because Sam says, 1954 was an age of innocence. Was it? <laughs> I mean, it was an age of innocence. Of, you know, you were white and male. Yeah, but well, that's that's know. another thing that's what what bothered me about this whole thing. And again, uh, bringing up the quote when the guy says a, a white man with a black voice. Yep, yep. It feels like this episode is wallpapering over the darker aspects of any of this stuff just by pure nostalgia purposes. You know, like it it just feels like they're making everything seem ooey gooey and nice and they don't have to make it an issues episode but the way that they go about it i don't know it just feels like this is not what the world was ever like thank you 100 percent, ding 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 and Mm -hmm. i guess that they wanted to keep that at arm's length because you just want to have fun with the singing and dancing but it just begs 
to be talked about. And uh, does it ruin the episode? I don't think so. I don't think it's a deal breaker. But once again, Quantum Leap has never been really shy about um, bringing up these topics and discussing them. And I was just surprised that they didn't find more ways to do it, even obliquely in this episode, because I think that that would have been in perfect keeping with the show and wouldn't have ruined the good time. It's just the sort of warts and all. And I, I, maybe that they just weren't there for this episode. I, maybe they just deliberately pulled all that back and said, no, it's going to be about fun. It's going to be about heart. And we can leave all that stuff for another very special episode, another heavier episode. Not everything can be black on white on fire, you know? Hmm. As much as they glossed over a lot of the significant issues at that time, we already have mentioned that they did give a nod to female empowerment agency and um, someone choosing their own destiny. I liked that. And I thought that um, Sue Ann was a good character to portray that struggle. Mary Elizabeth McGlynn is very likable. But at the end of the day, did you really care if she made it? No. Yes. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it, look, she seemed nice. Uh, the acting was fine. Like, there were some nice moments, like, when Sam was inspiring her. But, like, I ju there's just not enough of that character. She would just, like, run off, and then Sam would do some Elvis stuff, and then she would sing, and then she'd run off, <laughs> and then Sam would do some Elvis stuff. And uh, there just wasn't, like, enough of much of uh, anything with her to, to feel uh, that much of a connection. Oh, see, Alison, this is where whatever little respect you had for me is is about to disappear. Because um, I, honestly, I was watching all that happening, and I was thinking, "Poor thing, <laughs> wiener." <laughs> it's true, though. Gee, I hope the sheep are okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I got totally sucked up into all of that. I mean, I was I kind of just wanted to see more of like Elvis hanging out with his friend Red. Yes, who I guess was played by his son. Yeah, um, John Boyd West was playing his father, Red West, who was one of Elvis's friends. Was he his best friend? Is that what it was? I have no idea if he was actually his best friend, but I I mean, yeah, they were definitely they were both friends and. Red West, as played by John Boyd, was also in a, a miniseries a few years later as well. So I, I guess this is a known thing. I mean, I, I don't know what Red West was like in real life. I haven't really looked up anything, but I thought he did a pretty good job playing this very, like, soft-spoken, like, just say what needs to be said kind of character. Like, he was fun. Despite it being Quantum Leap, it's possible to play your own father without a bunch of makeup and a bad southern accent. <laughs> Who knew?! <laughs> But why would you Who want you? to? <laughs> John Boyd West as his father. <laughs> yes. That would have been better. Oh, they um there was also the stuff with Elvis and his mom. I did like those scenes as well. That was sweet. That was Garn Stevens. It says in the notes, I'm looking at the notes, it was her final role. Yeah. As sweet as some of those scenes were, those were the biggest filler scenes for me. Because they were all very samey-samey. And I know that if you're going to touch on Elvis, like, one of the things that he's most associated with was that he loved his mama, you know? <laughs> and um, that he basically put her up on a pedestal. So, I guess if you're going to do an Elvis story, you're going to have to put mama in it somewhere, somehow. Yeah. 
But once again, is this the missed opportunity? Because I'm sure that there was more to that relationship. Maybe it was a little bit weirder. Anyway, everything I've ever heard growing up said it was kind of creepy, the relationship that they had. <laughs> I don't think um, Quantum Leap was going to be going into like, wasn't it creepy, Elvis and his mom? <laughs> anyway, here's a nice Elvis nostalgia episode. <laughs> Let me build on my half half research from earlier. Uh, so Gunn Stevens, um, yeah, retired in 1993, and she currently writes crime and mystery stories. Hey. I don't want to say she retired to become a writer, but that's that seems to Thank have been... Good for her. Yeah. How, where her life has taken us. So, yeah, she, she spent 20 years acting. I, slightly morbid of me, I assumed after 20 years of acting and then disappearing off IMDb, maybe she died young. Um, but no, she just, she retired and now she's, um, she's a writer. So. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that because I'm reading final role in the rundown. I'm thinking, oh, she died. Uh. Yeah. I, well, that's the thing. You do, you do, you, when you see final role of, yeah. You know, with, like, I don't know how old she was then, but you know, uh, I'm used to seeing women, especially uh, looking at these credits, just falling off suddenly of acting or having a very long gap. And usually it's because they have kids or they're raising their family. I don't know if that's necessarily what happened with her. Like, sometimes people are just like, you know what? I had 20 good years. Uh, I'm tired of doing this. I'm going to go write horror mystery novels or crime novels. <laughs> and maybe she thought Quantum Leap is the that's it's a high note to leave on it's never gonna get better than this maybe she was like that scott bacula was so mean i'm gonna <laughs> retire i hated working with that mr bacula <laughs> maybe she was just like wow i got on the show and they were canceled the very next episode i better lay low <laughs> You know what? Her first crime novel was uh, starring a um, bot scatula, and <laughs> he was the evil murderer in the in the book, based on a true story. <laughs> oh boy! Oh wow! She she appeared halfway through the final season of Falcon Crest. I think you might be onto something here about her being the show killer. Um, <laughs> oh no! Falcon Crest ran for nine years. She shows up and it stops. Um. <laughs> She's like, I can't kill another show. I can't have this blood on my hands. So those crime novels are really therapy. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, I know I, I brought up the creepy mom thing and um, whether or not uh, they wanted to, you know, explore that angle with Garn in the role. Um, Another thing that I think was a little bit creepy that they sort of sidestepped and glossed over because it just had a mention. Al said, well, you know, um, you're not meant to be with her anyway. They wanted all of us on the road and uh, he had to be single. He didn't have to have a girl back home. That's the way they wanted it. And he's going to meet Priscilla in a couple of years anyway, and they're going to get married and have a little daughter and blah, 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 which is what happened. But wasn't Priscilla 14 when they got married? I, I, yeah, I don't know how old she was, but there were a lot of ladies in Elvis's life, <laughs> uh, whether they were like officially his girlfriend or not, uh, a lot of that going on. I don't know. Was she 14? I believe she was a child bride. Yeah. I said they, they married in 1967 and she was born in 1945. So she was 14 years old. You're right. Thank you. And he was 24. So wow yeah no see uh, that's the thing when they put these real people on pedestals it kind of glosses over uh some of the other parts of their life and like everyone's complex 
You know, like, I'm not uh, saying that Elvis Presley was a bad person. I don't know his whole story. But, like, when they sugarcoat these kinds of things, like, it feels like it's it's this is not close to reality. I don't know. It, it just feels like Elvis could have been more of a, a full, rounded person in this story. Not necessarily, you don't have to go into the issues. You don't have to talk about the fact he married a child bride. But if you're going to bring up stuff like that, but not mention that, I, I don't know. Guys, sorry, we, we keep saying child bride. I'm seeing that they met when she was 14 in 1959, but they got married in 1967. Okay, 24-year-old dating a 14-year-old yeah, no, is still I, not I, good? I'm not <laughs> defending that. I'm just just clarifying. Oh, okay, all right. Just to clarify, it was not a child marriage. <laughs> they waited. No. Like, look, I don't think it's good to be dating a 14-year-old, but I don't know their <laughs> yeah, complex nah, nah. relationship. Um, but it, it, again, it feels like this is the idealized version of Elvis in the 50s in this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where uh, all this is going, but yeah, it, it's just, it's a little bit too sugar-coated. Uh, I did want to also mention, this kind of relates to that, so the the kiss with history, within this kiss with history, <gasps> yes. um, with, with little Billy Clinton. Oh, little Billy C. <laughs> now come on, let's give a big hand to little Billy C, all the way from Hope, Arkansas. Little Billy C, also some things with little Billy C that perhaps aggrandizing this person is not great. <laughs> Which they have done a lot on their Kisses with History. Sam has met a lot of people where it's like, mm, maybe not like, wow, how great. <laughs> yeah. I think that you guys will be somewhat surprised. I'm just going to say that Memphis Melody is not the only Quantum Leap property that we will review that has a Kiss with History uh, with Bill Clinton. Was one of the comics or books? Um. A specific book. Your book? <laughs> Little Billy C? Let's see if you can find it once we get to foreknowledge. Ooh. I wonder if I even picked up on it. I'm intrigued now. <laughs> I just think there's a lot of these kisses with history where they, they're like, wow, we met this like great person. And then like it just feels like it's putting them up on a, on a pedestal, like you were saying. Um, people that maybe shouldn't be put up on pedestals. They had, like, the Trump thing, they had the um, Woody Allen thing, and look, these people are monsters. Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. Not all of them are monsters, but some of them are monsters, and like, I, ugh, ugh. Yeah. Even the Quantum Leap calendar is not has not escaped it. They got a Bill Cosby thing on there. It's not great. But maybe that's just the the price you got to pay for this nostalgia, you know, and you're like, we meet these historical figures, these celebrities or whatever, isn't that great? But then like, when you once you get to know who people are, you're like, "Mm, was it great, though? Well, it's not like he got Bill into a career in politics. The, The kid just walked past him. He was at a talent show playing a saxophone. You know why? Because in the 90s, it was so cool and so huge that Bill Clinton played the saxophone. And they're like, wouldn't it be great if Bill Clinton was there playing the saxophone? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how much I want to say, but keep in mind, uh, my book takes place in a mud wrestling club. So Is Bill Clinton there (laughs) playing saxophone at the mud wrestling club? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying there might be more of an appropriate context for Bill Clinton. (laughs) 
I don't know. I, I, you know what? I'm not really getting up on much of a platform about this. This is just something to note. This one bothers me less than the Trump one, but... Mm. C'est la vie. Hey, look, I guess if you're going to do this kind of thing, it's a risk that you take in hindsight. But can we all agree that Quantum Leap had a spectacular run of bad luck with almost every kiss with history? <laughs> Buddy Holly, I don't think I heard anything problematic <laughs> about him. That was fine. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. Yet. Yet. Oh no, <laughs> things are going to come to light about Buddy Holly. Now I feel bad for Buddy Holly because they mentioned him on Quantum Leap. <laughs> now oh, it's going to no. come out. <laughs> Look, no, I mean, it, there are some things that like, you know, you don't know in hindsight or not common knowledge or whatever. Like, I'm not saying they're like, let's, you know, highlight these terrible people and, and people are complex. Sometimes it's not exactly black and white, but it comes with the territory when you do kind of like have these rose tinted glasses about certain parts of history and i guess that's part of why i don't like the the big celebrity leap kind of thing because uh it it just feels less true than if you're just telling a story about a fictionalized person that that sam helped you're right you're right but i mean everything was always meant to be cute and it just turned out that uh i i think i'm repeating myself so do we have anything more to say about that before i move on i just don't want to cut anybody off Oh, um, apple pie is Elvis's favorite. We learned that. Yeah, we learned that. <laughs> um, that's a good way to get into some of the more weird things I noticed about this production. Bucolic, idyllic 1950s diner. Did you notice that in that first scene, Al walks through, he does that whole apple pie thing. It's Elvis's favorite. Ooh, Ooh, apple, apple pie. Look, we were just Elvis's favorite. Mm. Ooh, I wish I could taste that. You can't help but notice that same apple pie in every scene, hasn't been touched and has been <laughs> <Yeah>. sitting out. <laughs> that's a uh, that's decorative pie. That's that's one hell of a prop pie. <laughs> you can, I mean, you can tell in this episode very limited sets and um, yeah. limited amounts of extras. It's usually the same people. Um, yeah, the budget pretty small. And especially if they're going to be licensing out those Elvis songs, it makes it even smaller. <laughs> yeah, I think I went by Sun Records in Memphis, and I don't believe that there was a 1950s diner next to it, even in the 1950s. I mean, it's it's really in a much more urban setting than what we saw there. And um, the other thing that drove me nuts uh, in the studio, and this is a callback to Dr. Ruth. Maybe this is another problem of uh, Celebrity Leaps. Sam's on a live mic mumbling to Al in the studio <laughs> and like nobody can hear him happiness 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 you're my you're happiness. my oh <coughs> what'd you stop <coughs> Sam <coughs> Sam that's take... Jingle Bells huh that's Jingle Bells come on Sam take from the top come on no Happy. no no would you like to reschedule your appointment no, no. He's deciding on a song. <laughs> but yeah, he's not mumbling. He is cleverly singing. <laughs> so it just sounds like he's warming up a bit. And you you have to really listen carefully to the words that he's singing before you realize that he's talking to a hologram. <laughs> that, it's a pet peeve of mine. It's like, you're on a live yeah. mic, buddy. Stop talking to your invisible friend. <laughs> I have two other points that um, I, I knew weren't going to naturally come up in conversation, but hey, I had them there just in case they did. 
two fascinating facts. Number one, we have not taken a moment to reflect on the fact that that's the last time that we're going to hear the season five theme. That's <gasps> it. Oh, end of an era. R.I.P. Yeah. The better version of the theme, clearly. Um, <laughs> I'm going to miss that. I don't I know. Um, I have been hearing it over and over and over and over and over and over and over because I edit the podcast and then listen to the podcast and Aww. the theme is in the podcast and you don't listen to the podcast, so you don't get the theme. And you're So the baseline in that season five theme is stuck in my head, I think, <laughs> on a loop. Even after I die, it will be there. It is so funkified. When you're preparing for Mirror Image and they're playing the older version of the theme tune, you can just imagine that baseline, you lucky guy. <laughs> you lucky puppy. The other thing is just a, a, an observation. Uh, did you spot? There's a, a pinball machine in the diner, which is very anachronistic. It's like early 70s. I saw the pinball machine, but I didn't notice what's anachronistic about it. It's, um, I mean, it's just a specific pinball machine from from the early 70s, but it's the same pinball machine that also shows up in Mirror Image, also anachronistically. Oh, see, I thought you were going to tell me it was like a Quantum Leap pinball machine. No. That no, they no. put in cheekily, or a Star Wars pinball machine. <laughs> no, but it's one of those, um, it's one of those production errors that I, I like to write away in my head as, you know, maybe this was some kind of, this, this is leading into the final episode and uh, and god put it there as some or god fate time whatever put it there as some kind of hint for sam that he didn't pick up on it's whatever's about to happen in mirror image is just leaking into his previous leap it's like a reverse burger theory all right you've just <laughs> you've just blown my mind so are you telling me that every anachronistic radio that i have found <laughs> on quantum leap during the long deceased but not forgotten quantum leap radio settings that every one of those wrong radios was god time fate or whatever trying to tell sam that the leaps are going to get harder and you tell me that the leaps are going to get tougher <laughs> I think that theory only holds true if there's more of them towards the end of season five. Because my my theory only holds any kind of water because this is the the, the final episode before the final episode. But what is what is what is time to God or fate or time or whatever? Don't they well, they, they would true. like maybe experience it as one continuous now? So true. it's like the prophets in DS Nine, right? They're nonlinear. Maybe that is why, as I said earlier, the, this, the events that we're seeing in this episode are actually squidged together from various different uh, parts of Elvis's life. Because this is, and I know we're going to end up talking a lot about whether Mirror Image was real or in Sam's head or in some kind of parallel dimension or whatever. But whatever we agree is happening in Mirror Image is starting to happen here. And that explains everything that's wrong with this episode. You're blowing my mind, man. Thanks. Thanks. I try. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, I have no idea who Tony Orlando and Dawn are, but I don't think I ever want to know. Tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. Oh, is that them? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there was some like digs at some of the other artists uh, from Al there when he's like, these people sing these songs instead of Elvis. Blah. Elvis doesn't even get discovered, and Heartbreak Hotel is recorded by the monkeys. What? And Jailhouse Rock. 
is recorded by Tony Orlando and Dawn. Oh, Gag no. me with a spoon. Right. He's ignoring the fact that like a lot of songs are covered by a lot of different artists, including songs that Elvis did. Like Hound Dog was originally done um, by a uh, well, it's done by a lot of people, but there was a, a black artist that that did it before him. Her name was um, Willie Mae Big Mama Thornton. I yeah. learned about her in high school. That is an awesome name. <laughs> and um, yeah, she was the originator for Hound Dog, and um, Elvis just picked it up, and that became his biggest hit. I think that's what broke his career, I believe. But listen, guys, I'm going to tell you, as a lifelong Monkees fan, you learn to eat shit. And Quantum Leap is no exception. <laughs> Throwing shade on the monkeys. Okay, I get it. It just happens. But what are you going to do? When you're a monkeys fan, you take your lumps. Didn't Al say, gag me with a spoon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> About <laughs> the people who recorded the artists in the alternate history? Gagging me with a spoon. Oh, my <laughs> God. I want a monkeys fan here. Oh, my God. Which of the monkeys is going to sing Heartbreak Hotel? If it was recorded by the Diaper Monkeys, I'd be all on board. <laughs> ah, you're the worst. <laughs> and um, I think there's only one logical answer to that. Mike would sing Heartbreak Hotel. Mike has the voice for Heartbreak Hotel. He was always the most uh, country and talented of all the monkeys, even though I love them all. Hey, hey, it's the Heartbreak. It's the Heartbreak <laughs> Hotel. I, I've, I've got to check something. Oh, and actually, hang on. No, there, there is another thing. This this episode's written by Robin Jill Bernheim, and uh, Sue Ann's sister is played by Melissa Bernheim, and that's her only credit. I believe the two are related. Oh, right, the the young waitress. Yes, she's the one that got Sam the uh, the second chance, saying that Elvis was the best. So, pretty pivotal role. I'm just having a look through the script because I'm really interested to see if Gag Me With A Spoon is a Robin Jill Bernheimism or if that was something Dean came up with. It's a ridiculous line, whatever it is. This is continuing the um, the cluelessness of uh, Al. Like He had like the clueless outfit in Dr. Ruth, like the yellow checkered outfit that kind of was like... Uh, I think Cher is the main character in Clueless. Kind of looked like one of her outfits. Can, yeah. can, can we back up? Can we back up? What? Matt, please tell me that you know that gag me with a spoon is like an expression from like Valley Girls in the 80s. What? Is it? What? <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought you, <laughs> you were just saying like me. she might have liked the phrase. Yeah, that's a that's a Valley Girl phrase. Gag me with a spoon. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've never heard that before. So, all right, I'm just going to assume that was in the script. I, I haven't found the page yet, but okay, fine. Gack me with a spoon. It is a weird thing for Al to say, and it's kind of a weird thing for Dean Stockwell to say. It feels like something that would be like a guy in his 50s <laughs> in in the <laughs> 90s, not saying a lot of Valley Girl stuff, but maybe, I don't know, maybe he was with it. Maybe he thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you didn't let me down. I had a sneaking suspicion by what you were saying that you meant you never heard that expression before. And yeah. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Well, guys, um, now that we've compared the monkeys to the diaper monkeys, I, I, <laughs> I don't know that I have much more to say <laughs> about Memphis Melody. Well, I, I mean, I hate being on like kind of like a downer note here because like I didn't like this episode that much. There's pieces of it I do like, but like um, a part of it might be because it's like the very 
last episode before the finale. I think sometimes a lot of shows struggle to have like a, a good penultimate episode. No, you guys, you guys, no, sorry, we've we've got to go back. We've got to go back to this gag me with a spoon thing. Sorry. So I, I'm reading from the script here and it's it's more than just the gag me with a spoon thing. Um, Al's originally scripted line is, All Shook Up is recorded by the Monkees and Heartbreak Hotel is recorded by Barry Manilow. That <gasps> poor guy in the waiting room. Oh, <laughs> uh. Dig it, Barry Manilow. He writes the songs that make the whole world sing, though. <laughs> Matt doesn't know that reference either, Allison, but I got it. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> also, I, I love the fact that after five years, we're just now discovering that Elvis's hits have been specifically programmed into Ziggy. Ziggy, who seems to know everything anyway. I don't know, I, I don't know why... Elvis's songs were programmed in, but uh, this seems like something that should have come up before now. Yeah, that's another thing that just seems like too uh, aggrandizing. And then the fact they're talking about getting a private concert in the waiting room, and I, I don't know. Well, okay, Allison, I wanted to see because I know that you can't stand when people are starstruck. And in this, <laughs> what is the line? Tell you one thing I would like to know, though, is what the heck I'm doing here. Well, Ziggy's working on it, but she's working with diminished capacity because she's starstruck. Oh, yeah, Ziggy being, <laughs> being starstruck. Occasionally being starstruck is fine. There was a very funny gag in um, season two when Sam's the stuntman, uh, Disco Inferno, uh, where Al is very starstruck by... Uh, Lauren Green, I think it was, was the one uh, in the Earthquake set. Yeah. He's just like so starstruck while Sam is like, he thinks he's going to die. And he's just like, oh, you're going to be rescued by Lauren Green. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like that is very funny. But when the whole episode becomes starstruck, it's just this whole like, you know, making them seem like this this perfect idol, which is just not true to anyone. I'm just wondering how a computer can be starstruck by a 50s singer. <laughs> Oh, Ziggy's always pulling stuff like that. <laughs> you know, Ziggy. You know, if you if you go with the um some of the stuff from the book, some of the things that seem to be alluded to in the show, Ziggy seems to have some uh personality traits pulled from Sam and Al a little bit, so maybe they were like huge Elvis fans, and so Ziggy was an Elvis fan. Yeah, no, and I get it. I mean it, it sort of tracks in universe and with what we've seen of Ziggy, even though it was just one episode. I can see her having that kind of emotion. I just thought it was kind of weak sauce mm. for them to say, I can't give you odds because Ziggy is starstruck. No, it's dumb. Maybe she was just being bitchy about it. She's like, I can't. I just can't. I'm too star. C contact me later. Sometimes she does that just to, just to make <laughs> things harder for everyone. <laughs> Maybe that's how it went. Maybe. Guys, I think now that we've gotten on this level of conversation, is it safe to say that we're pretty much talked out about Memphis Melody? <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, let's get some final thoughts then. Alison Pregler. I don't hate it. I just, I'm not really a great fan of this episode, but I think it has a lot of fun moments and that's something that you need to do uh, when it's kind of your last hurrah. So I appreciate the work that was put into it, and it was really fun to see Scott Bakula singing and dancing. Matt Dale. Yeah, same. It's it, the, the singing and dancing is fun, and this episode is just unabashed in that respect. It's fine. That's what it's here to do. I still find it a little bit odd that they chose to, to lead into the series finale with this, um, but taking it for what it is, yeah, it's it's a nice, fun episode. 
And uh, Sponge, I'm going to say the same exact thing. At the end of the day, they didn't know if they were getting picked up for a sixth season, so why not go for broke? Why not have Sam interact with one of the icons of the 20th century, let viewers have some fun, and let Scott cut loose and do some of the things that Scott does best? It might not have been a traditional leap, but I think in the end, it still captures the heart of the show. And I'm glad that they did it. All right, guys, I think we're going to let Memphis Melody swivel its hips on out of here. But don't go anywhere because we have lots of stuff to come. There's Patreon news, there's feedback, and, you know, a big announcement about the future of the podcast. So stay right there. We'll see you on the other side. Well, it was on a moonlit night, stars shining bright. Shine on the one that's gone and left me blue Shine on the one that's gone and left me blue I said shine on the one that's gone and left me blue On the latest episode of Fangin This is my first time watching The Muppet Show on Disney Plus right now Oh, you're so lucky I'm re-watching them at the moment It's fun, isn't it? I don't understand, like, all of a sudden this cult of Kermit that has arisen Cult of Kermit? <laughs> I'm gonna violently disagree with you Violently? Yes Like animal? <laughs> There's nothing funnier than a Muppet pulling out a gun for no reason <laughs> Pigs in Space was genius. People were getting so mad about the warnings at the beginning. Cancel culture, cancel culture. They just want to manufacture controversy. I'm sick of hearing the words cancel culture. Oh, don't get me started. Foreknowledge hasn't been in print for 25 years. Cancel (laughs) culture, I am a victim. I didn't even know. (laughs) To find out how to hear this and other Patreon-exclusive shows, go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. That's patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. You know what the best part of this podcast is? When it's over! (laughs) (laughs) On the latest episode of Leaps Elsewhere. We discussed something that I thought would be cute and heartwarming, but which turns out to be worse than the landlady. It's uh, the trial of old drum. <laughs> the trial of old drum. Based on a true story of uh, a trial involving a dog and a farmer and some sheep. Uh, they think that the dog's killing the sheep. And uh, Scott Bakula shows up in the last 30 minutes as a southern lawyer um, with a terrible haircut. <laughs> I quite liked it. For a movie that is celebrating a gentler time gone by, there were a lot of total stone-cold dicks in this. And a lot of just, like, casual murder. What do you have against nice things, Chris? Where is the joy in your soul? Why do you hate joy? They put the dog in prison! He's in a jail cell! It's so good! The twist is that the trial doesn't start until the end credits. That's the weird part! To find out how to hear this and other Patreon-exclusive shows, go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. That's patreon.com slash Quantum Leap Podcast. The movie got dumber. It got dumber the second time around. Ah, they should have they should have demanded dogs in the jury. That would have made the film a lot more fun. Ciao, this is Fabiana Udenio, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Okay, everyone, we're back. And guys, as I promised on the way out, I have big news. We have not one, but two 
new patrons on Patreon. Everybody Ooh. give it up for Gregory Dahlberg and Yay. Katie Hogan. Gregory and Katie joined us both at the $5 Leaper level. And that means that they get access to exclusive bonus content only available on Patreon. That's content like you just heard in the ad break for Leaps Elsewhere and for Fangent. And I'm so thrilled that we finally got to do a Fangent about Star Trek. <laughs> I don't know if that was the ad that we played because I don't know what I'll be done with by the time I air this episode. But rest assured, there is a Star Trek Fangent where I filibuster for over an hour about Star Trek. If that is not an inducement to get you to spend $5, I don't know. <laughs> what is it's worth every cent <laughs> it wasn't filibustering what are you on about i feel like star trek is featured in a few of the vengeance it keeps leaking mm. in somewhere <laughs> but does that mean we're, we're done now now we've done that episode we're we not allowed to talk about star trek again no we can talk about star trek good matt good. i think that we could do a star trek podcast i'm just gonna put that out there i think that there's enough star trek for us to talk about star trek for the rest of our lives <laughs> if it came to that i'm not worried about talking about star trek that's for sure Chris, last time you mentioned Star Trek to me, I started a marathon that I'm now 70 episodes into. <laughs> I think that you're outpacing me, but then I realized I watched all of Enterprise first, and yes. then all of uh, seasons one and two of Discovery, and I'm just sort of like slogging through TOS. And I don't, I shouldn't say slogging, I'm just going through a little bit slowly, and you've outpaced me very quickly. So, you're making me feel like a failure at Star Trek. Like, I lost Star Trek. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> that was clearly the aim, Chris. You guys are both on a Star Trek trek? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get back to wah, these patrons. Wah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the kind of joke you'll hear Allison tell on Patreon. They're worth much more than that. <laughs> Don't let the bad joke fool you. That's the good content on there. We got to save it for Patreon, you see. But not only did uh, Greg and Katie pledge the $5 Leaper level for that great Patreon bonus content, each of them both left messages. I will begin with Gregory's message. He sent it to us directly on Patreon. He writes, I just discovered the podcast. I was excited to find something with hosts who enjoyed the show as much as I did when it first aired. I first watched Quantum Leap in Germany on the Armed Forces Network in 1992. They aired new episodes a year after they aired in the States, and so I started in the middle of season four with the wrong stuff. <laughs> like Diaper Monkey was his first. <laughs> Amazing. And you came back. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my mom disliking the show after the Lee Harvey Oswald episode. She thought it was offensive to have a handsome guy like Scott Bakula portraying Oswald. <laughs> offensive. She never understood the whole leaping concept. I also remember Armed Forces Network frustrating me with a couple broadcast snafus. Anyway, I'm enjoying going back to listen to some of my old favorite episodes and look forward to the future of the podcast. Gregory, thank you so much. That was a little bit um, edited from what he sent. His email was originally a little bit longer, but um, just so that everybody's aware, I, I boiled it down to some of the essential stuff. It's going to be the same thing with Katie, who sent us a veritable book. So I had to uh, <laughs> had to take – it would have taken us a half an hour to read Katie's email. She is so passionate and she's such a great fan. Aww. Yeah, it's awesome that both of them like, you know, wanted to say all this stuff and like felt so strongly and uh, shared their enthusiasm for the show. Yeah, and it's funny um, that he saw it in Germany on the Armed Forces Network, Gregory did, and it has to be similar to your experience, Matt, when you were watching it in the UK. 
you were about a year behind as well, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, it was, it was about a year behind. And um, the, yeah, the nature of it was that I really had no idea what was going on in America at the time. I didn't get the news, so I wasn't exactly spoiled for the most part. Just blissfully unaware. Yeah, you wouldn't get that now. Of course, things are more synced now. Yes. Did you too think that uh, Scott Bakula being so handsome playing Lee Harvey Oswald was offensive? <laughs> I've seen plenty of good-looking villains. I don't quite get this. Are villains meant to be ugly? Maybe they thought, you know, it's glamorizing Lee Harvey Oswald. But the thing is, he's not supposed to actually look like him. So, But she didn't understand the leaping concept. That episode could be confused for just a, a biopic of Lee Harvey Oswald. So. Yes. Yeah, it could. It, Armed Forces Network. Like, I've never heard of that. Uh, I don't have German television, obviously. Is that, like, specifically aimed toward um, stuff with military themes? No, I'm thinking he was probably in the military and serving in Germany in 92. Oh, I see. That's got to be weird, being in the military. And then you're like, hang on, I'm watching Diaper Monkey. they have their own like network for specifically for the military yeah they have their own uh, radio they have their own cv they have their own newspapers yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's cool i learned some and then you then you just get things like forces tv in the uk which which isn't specifically for the military but it's aimed at, at that that group and retired uh military folk and and they run quantum leap and midnight caller and i I don't know what it is about those shows that makes people assume, yeah, the military is the target audience. Quantum Leap had a lot of like uh, Vietnam-centered stories true, and true. Uh, naval officers and stuff like that. So maybe that was like you know that's a common theme in Belisario projects, especially. So maybe that was yes. kind of why they would think it would appeal toward people in the forces. Oh God! Do you think the Armed Forces Network is just wall-to-wall NCIS and Tequila and Benetti? Catalog. <laughs> wow! Remind me never to join the Armed Forces. <laughs> <laughs> and you can watch uh, NCIS New Orleans. Have some yeah. fun. <laughs> not exactly an inducement. I'm not enticed. Um, uh, well, thank you, Gregory, for the message, by the way, and for uh, for subscribing on Patreon. Yeah, that was very generous of you. And um, we also have this email from Katie, our other patron. And Katie writes, Hi, Chris, Matt, and Allison. I love this podcast. This is the first podcast I've ever listened to, and it's truly fantastic. You three have such great rapport and humor. Your QL discussions are highly entertaining and fun, full of interesting QL knowledge and opinions, are often thought-provoking, and at times very poignant. Did you hear that, guys? I'm poignant. That's so nice. I th- I think she might have accidentally listened to a Star Wars podcast and thought it was ours. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't sound like us, you guys. <laughs> Let's change things up. Matt, you go next. Oh, uh, I had no idea that the QL fandom was still going strong. I went on YouTube for some Quantum Leap bloopers and found Alison's terrific channel. Oh. I was blown away by the extended ending to Mirror Image and that there was a QL podcast. I began listening out of sequence, starting with my worst episodes first, Dreams, <laughs> Dr. Ruth, and the totally dumb and very embarrassing wrong stuff. <laughs> Two diaper monkeys. I'm all for half-naked Scott. Well, aren't we all? I'm all for half-naked Scott, but diaper monkey crosses the line of decency. You guys were so funny and engaging on these episodes, you had me laughing out loud. Somebody has to laugh at Dreams, right? Some, yeah. Something good has to come from Dreams somewhere, somehow. <laughs> That's my- 
podcast was a great way to introduce my mom to Quantum Leap. There's some running themes in both of these. Exactly. I did have to give her the basics of how Quantum Leap works, and you guys didn't make it any easier with your mind versus body debates. LOL. Oh, so oh, so she was showing the podcast to her mom, Tint. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I wow. had to cut a little bit of this. It might have been I'll, – I'll explain. She was going on a long like a, like a four-state car trip, so they were in the car for like 20 hours, and oh. she made her mom listen to our podcast the entire way. Oh, man. I, I, hope, she, <laughs> I hope she enjoyed it. I'm so sorry, Katie's mom. <laughs> I like this part. I like this part coming up. Sorry, Chris, but Allison and Matt are one hundred percent correct. It's Sam's body, mind, and soul that leaps. Well, if she sa- right. if she says all of it though, that you were saying the mind was part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fluid, but it's all. She's saying the whole package. I think it's loosey goosey. Well, Scott is the whole package. Why would you want to separate any of it? Don't be talking about packages and diaper monkey in the same breath. <laughs> anyway, uh, this, <laughs> the show makes this pretty clear. I could never get into the books or fanfics that had the mind-leaping premise for this exact reason. The QL book slash comics are a hard-to-find commodity, so it'll be interesting to hear about them. Oh man, you gotta go online. You can find them on eBay or Amazon for pretty cheap. And we'll be addressing the books and comics uh, shortly after feedback, so stay tuned for that. We have some news on that front. But to finish up Katie's email, she concludes, Now that you are nearing the end of Season 5, I hope that you will start over with Season 1. I'm eager to hear your thoughts, opinions, and especially your humor on the earlier <laughs> episodes. I'm joining Patreon in hopes I can encourage you to do this. Thanks for the Aww. entertainment and all the hard work you've done. Can't wait to hear QLP. 2.0. I feel like we are QLP 2.0 already. Yeah. So will that be QLP 2.5? Maybe. <laughs> Don't overthink it, Chris. Don't overthink it. And she signs a Katie Hogan from Columbia, Missouri, which is another weird coincidence because she heard me talking about going to school in Mizzou in Columbia, the journalism school. And uh, that was another connection that she had with the show. So I'm glad that uh, you were able to connect with us on so many different levels, Katie. And thank you so much for pledging your support and becoming a patron of the show. We will try to do right by you. Um, There is even more to discuss with us doing older episodes of Quantum Leap as the podcast progresses. So stay tuned after feedback for that as well. Thanks a lot, Katie. Thank you. All right. So um, going from two new patrons to a longtime patron who is also a producer, he pledges at the $20 level, Mr. Charles Allen Gossard um, sent us this message about Leap Between the States. And this is one of the ones that I just completely flaked out on when we did Leap Between the States that I forgot to put into the feedback and it was kind of too late once I was editing. So, Charles, here it is. Um, Sorry we didn't read it for that episode. When you get to reviewing Leap Between the States, just wanted to tell you that I was there, in a sense. When I'm not a producer for the Quantum Leap podcast, I am a Civil War reenactor. I've been on the Antietam National Battlefield, where Sam finds himself when he leaps in, Dozens of times. I even took part in the reenactment of the 140th, 145th, and the 150th anniversary of the battle fought there. I even have a direct Confederate ancestor who was there at the battle on September 17th, 1862, the same day that Sam leaps in. Wow. Right? My ancestor was a Confederate cavalryman who was shot off his horse and wounded in view of the Dunkard Church that day. If you want to use this story in the podcast for Leap Between the States, you are more than welcome. Cheers. Well, that's interesting. These wow, yeah, that is interesting something. coincidence. Some of the stuff. 
Yeah, very coincidental. Lots of neat things. I bet Charles could uh, provide some insight into how maybe we were talking about the reenactors coming in possibly mm. to do the battle scenes in Leap Between the States. I wonder if that's something that he's ever done. I'm sure he would have told us if he did it, but I wonder if that's something he ever heard of or if that is a thing or if we're just, you know. It feels like it should be a thing. I, I feel like it's very common if you're doing something of uh, like a production that needs a like a time travel thing or like a very quick use of Confederate soldiers or something that's very commonly reenacted. Uh, Revolutionary War, things like that. Like, it would be extremely easy and cheap to get people who are fairly accurate at doing that and have costumes and weapons and stuff. That and Renaissance fairs, surely. (laughs) I love the way you say that. (laughs) Well, say that again. That and Renaissance fairs. (laughs) Can you say aluminum? What's what, aluminium? You mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you, but you you just uh, you just make me feel so good all the time, <laughs> Charles. If you want to uh, let us know any kind of insight you have on that, please uh, contact us. As a producer, I promise I'll read it on air. You have my word. Well, I bet our next listener would also make me feel good inside because I'm sure he pronounces aluminium like Matt does. Mm. It's Aiden Garrity, and he writes, Hi all, QL fan here from Dublin, Ireland. Okay, so, so instantly has a better accent than me. Yep. Matt, can you <laughs> do an I- no. Irish accent? Because if you could, <sighs> maybe read it in an Irish not, accent. Not one that wouldn't be horrendously offensive. Like, my, my, my various American accents are just a bit bad and embarrassing. My Irish accent would have people <laughs> tracking me down <laughs> and <laughs> punching me in the face repeatedly. No, it's... A, it's no, no, no. <laughs> I value wow. my safety. Um, yeah, if you want to read some in your normal accent, I guess. I don't think you say normal like that. Like, I don't have a normal... <laughs> whatever that weird thing is you call an accent. Your normie voice. <laughs> All right, shall I pick up there, then? With, in yeah, my normal yeah. accent? Yeah, okay. Yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> as you near the end of the program's chronological run, I wanted to thank Albie, Heather, Chris, Alison, Matt, Hayden, and the countless other people involved in the podcast over the last eight years. I only started to watch QL about three to four years ago. I was born two years after the end of its original run. Sorry to make you feel old, but the podcast <laughs> has increased my enjoyment of QL tenfold. Aw. I'm happy to hear that. Mm. Uh, you mentioned the possibility of starting over with Genesis after you've done Mirror Image, and recovering the episodes Albie and Heather originally discussed. This is something I would love to see happen, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. While I adored the podcast while Albie and Heather hosted, the format they used was so different to the current format that there was no danger of it seeming like a retread. If it does happen, you will have at least one listener for every episode. And Aiden wraps up by writing, I am also looking forward to the podcasts on the novels. I haven't read any of them yet, but if the podcast covers them, that will definitely be the motivation I need to start. Thanks again, Aiden Garrity from Ireland, all the way from Ireland. This is amazing. We have like viewers that have world experience with Quantum Leap. Someone that saw it in Germany, an Irish fan, an American fan that's going cross country and introducing it to her mother for the first time. And the only thing they all seem to have in common is um, Diaper Monkey, moms, (laughs) (laughs) the fact that they want us to restart from the beginning and some of the novel stuff. So, Chris, 
That's not what's amazing. What's amazing to me with this one is he mentions that the format that Albie and Heather had. Yeah, they they had quite a quite a format there. He also thinks that we have a format. Do, do we have a format? I thought we just got on mic and rambled. We got we got the goofin. <laughs> we got <laughs> we, do. Uh, we got diaper monkey references. Um, we've got uh, Matt doesn't understand a pop culture reference. <laughs> Several in this episode alone. We have It's a Me, Chris. <laughs> it's a Me. I'm Italian. <laughs> we got we got something going on. <laughs> I feel like when we first took over, I was a lot more regimented in the way I thought the podcast should be, and I think we stuck to the rundowns a little bit more stringently than we do now. I think now you're right. It's it's pretty much a free for all, and the rundown is there in case. We can't find something to talk about, and like that's ever happened. So I don't know. I'm I'm glad that everybody likes it. Sometimes I feel like I'm cheating and not doing the homework, but you know. Well, I mean, you know, like we we'll have thoughts or look things up if we need to. Or it's it is put together more than like I've heard some podcasts that are not put together. I'm not going to call out any names or anything, but you know, we have like a structure and good editing on it, and that is uh, almost entirely you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try. Yeah. So I'm um, and I think it's great too that like uh Aiden, um, you know, he's a, a bit younger than us and uh just recently got into Quantum Leap and uh I think it's great that someone just recently gets into it and then looks for the podcast and like enjoys it. Yeah. And like they're, they're enjoying um exploring the show with us and listening to interviews with different mm. people involved with it and I think that's great. For, for a show that's like 30 years old. It's awesome. All right. So now that's that's two out of um, the four messages that we received talking about the novels. And you know, guys, we are going to start reviewing the novels out there in podcast land. So um, we want you guys to be able to follow along. And we've come up with a way that we think we might be able to encourage you to do that. We have introduced a new Patreon tier called the QLP Book Club. You can join for just $3 a month. You will not only get a shout out on the show like all of these patrons have, but you and all other patrons donating at the $3 or above level will get a free QLP bookmark featuring our logo, our beautiful logo on one side, and a list of the novels and the comics on the other to, you know, help you keep track and read along as we review the books. All patrons $3 and above will also be entered to win a free copy of whatever novel we're reviewing next. So I guess that means we'll soon be holding our first drawing to give away a copy of Corny Knowledge. I want to generate some enthusiasm about the books, not just as a Quantum Leap author, but I think the books offer such a unique perspective, a lot of unique perspectives on the show that um, you can't get from just watching the series. And I think a lot of the novels give some um, pretty cool takes on Sam and Al, and um, some of them, I think, get it completely wrong, yet that doesn't make them any less valid. So it's going to be an interesting journey as far as I'm concerned, rereading all of these books. I probably read them all once when they first came out and haven't looked at them since. The, the books are wild. Yeah. The books are wild. There's some of them that I think like are really awesome. There's a uh, some of them, uh, I'm like, I can't with this. <laughs> well, like, like foreknowledge? Yeah. I, I, I thought foreknowledge was one of the wild ones. I really enjoyed that. So I'm looking forward to rereading that. It's going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah. So, I mean, 
we would hate for you guys not to be able to follow along. Um, I just think this might be a way to get everybody on board to take this ride with us because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but you know what? That's not all because the other sort of universal call that we've been getting is to redo shows that Albie and Heather have already covered, maybe go back to the beginning of the series. And, um, you know, to that end, this is what I think I'd like to do, guys. Instead of going back starting from, say, Genesis, and just rehashing the series in order. Why don't we leave it up to the patrons to vote on what episode we'll cover next? This is the way I see it. Um, we have we have supporters on Patreon um, open to any level. What we can do is just put a poll up with, say, like a choice of five shows mm-hmm. and let them tell us what they want to hear. I mean, they're the ones keeping the server running. They're the ones that enable us to put the show out. So why not let them have a say in where we go in the future and what older episodes we cover? Can we just make sure that uh, every time that we we release one of these polls, one of the five episodes is always the wrong stuff? (laughs) We already covered the wrong stuff. (laughs) It doesn't matter. We'll we'll just do it again and again. (laughs) Oh, my God. That would be like the podcast that watches uh, Paul Blart 2 every year. This diaper monkey, like... We, we can join the McElroys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always chasing that McElroy dream. If you get a podcast with that level of funny, get it that uh, popular, whew, you're set. I feel like we're that level of funny, sort of, almost. I like to delude myself. We're the great undiscovered gem. Yes, the thank Quantum you. Leap podcast. <laughs> I have no idea what you two are on about right now. Ding! Matt doesn't get a pop culture <laughs> reference. <laughs> Finish your drinks. We really need to get like a scorecard. I'm just going to start writing on my wall like a prisoner with the hash marks, and <laughs> every fifth one is going to slash across the. Yeah. Anyway. yeah, I'm sorry that you're a convict of your own ignorance, Matt. But, um, <laughs> Trust Allison and me when we say this stuff that we're talking about is a lot of fun. So yeah, so um, those polls for what shows we're going to cover next, like I said, will be open to patrons of any level. So you can participate for as little as a dollar a month in having your say as to what episodes you'd like to see us cover, I guess from Genesis all the way up to uh, the motorcycle episode. I think we mm-hmm. started right after the motorcycle episode, right after Rebel Without a Clue. Yeah, that was the last one before, Sounds before right. we started. I, that was like, I think, the exact halfway point of this. No, because season one's a little shorter, but uh, almost the halfway point. Yeah, it feels like the halfway point. So we got a lot of undiscovered country that we can mine. And uh, I'd really like to do it with you guys because I'm sure it'll be fun. Yeah. It'll give us something to do between reading the books. Some of the books are really long. You know, I bet the number one episode that they're going to ask us to review will be to discuss. I bet MIA will be number one. Could be. More than likely, um, if if it's not the first one, it'll be in the first three. Uh, yeah, I, I guarantee that's going to be a popular one. Rightfully so. I'm going to keep it off the poll for like six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first one is thou shalt not drive everyone away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Leaping in without a net. That's what yeah. you get. Oh, and you'll I like it. That one. Oh, that, that one I'll disagree on. <laughs> well, well, see, this is the kind of debate you can look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to quash us ever covering thou shalt not... For a dollar a month, you can make sure that you never have to hear us talk about that episode. Yeah, pay us not to talk about Thou Shalt Not, the most popular Quantum Leap episode. 
I think we discovered a new angle to make money. Threaten, threaten them with other episodes. I, I'm sorry we did dreams already. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll put our first poll on the Patreon page shortly, so check back there frequently. And this, of course, is in addition to all of the exclusive bonus content available to patrons starting at the $5 leap level, like Gregory and Katie. But that's not all. We also want to remind you guys, now that we're just about up to Mirror Image, of another contest that we have going in regards to our Mirror Image special. Matt, will you give them the recap on that? So Mirror Image is such a special event. We are going to be producing not one, but two episodes. Uh, We'll have our normal episode where the three of us chat about it and uh, rip it to pieces uh, or or give a bit of a love fest for it. But we'll also be doing a special feedback episode. Um, So for that, we really want to gather as much feedback as possible in advance. So get in touch with us and tell us what you feel about the episode, um, your unique takes on it, and um, the feedback will be entered into a prize draw uh, to win one of several beautiful Scott Bakula postcards from the launch of Enterprise, which was uh, kindly donated to us by one of the listeners many, many months ago. We've just been waiting for the perfect opportunity to uh, to give them away. I've heard that he's offensively handsome, so you want to get your hands on these. <laughs> but he's pl- he's playing a good guy, so it's okay. It's arguably a good guy. Hmm? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Archer had his moments. And now it's the Star Trek podcast again. <laughs> and here we go again. It always comes back to Star Trek. There's a lot of enjoyable stuff about Enterprise, for sure. Yeah. Very much so, which we discuss on our <laughs> Patreon bonus fangent episode all about Star Trek. Good segue. So you can find it there on Patreon.com. But if you want to leave us your thoughts about Mirror Image or about Memphis Melody or about anything that you've heard on the podcast, there are many ways that you can reach out. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at quantumleappod. And you can always go that extra mile and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. Just remember, we may use your response in an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And oh my God, I can't believe that I'm saying this. Um, this one is bittersweet for me to ask, but speaking of upcoming episodes... Matt, can you tell us what's next? I can do nothing better than to quote TV Guide from back in the day. Be there for the last podcast. Well, they didn't say podcast, obviously. Be there for the last <laughs> podcast. The mysteries will be solved. Your questions will be answered. And that's what we'll be doing when we talk about Mirror Image. What do you got on tap? Schlitz. Schlitz? Got Iron City, Duquesne, and Fort Pitt in bottles. Yeah, uh, Schlitz will be fine. Regular? Or schooner? Schooner. 
What are you? Fifteen cents. Fifteen cents. There you go. Now, we won't be answering any questions, but... Are are you allowed to to just lie like that? (laughs) (laughs) This is TV Guide. I thought it was a reputable publication. Yeah, I don't even think TV Guide knew what was going to happen on their image. They were like, give us a summary of the episode, and then they wrote out of this long summary, and they're like, I don't know what any of this is. (laughs) (laughs) Just tell them that questions will be answered. Donald Belisario is like, I'm gonna, I gotta call you up for this one. Listen, okay, so my dad had a bar, right? You might want to write some of this down. <laughs> I have to say, I mean, this is, this is, I've been wanting to talk about Mirror Image uh, since we started the podcast. That's what it's all about. It's mainly the reason why I said yes, I get to talk about Mirror Image with you guys, but at the same time, I don't want to talk about Mirror Image no. because that means we're done with the show. It just, ah, uh, it's, I'm torn. But, you know, we got other stuff coming up. I think, like, you know, that makes it a little easier. Yeah, but Mirror, I'm going to be a big boss, not in tears, yeah. like I usually am when I watch. So, yeah, so just getting everybody ready. At the end of the recording, I'm just going to be imagining the three of us stood in front of Al's place with that music playing. <laughs> No, don't do it. <laughs> all right, all right. We have to remember where we started on this. Where This is not the Mirror Edge podcast. Let's not get depressed. This is Memphis Melody. Have we already made a joke about being able to spell Allison's name with the right number of L's? Because I, I, I figure there could be a Beckett-type <laughs> oh. snafu there. <laughs> Allison never completed the podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's two T's in your name, and there's T is the... <laughs> right. <laughs> that's that's true. You can spell Matt with one T. Yes. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Then D. Philippus will have, like, one L. Yeah. yeah. It does have one L. Oh, it'll have two L's. <laughs> I know how to spell P. your name. That's, yeah. that's how everybody misspells it. Yeah. <laughs> and Christopher will have two T's. Yeah. Sorry, that reaction is the funniest <laughs> thing you've ever said. <laughs> What? what? That was just the funniest thing Chris has ever said. It does have one L. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be laughing about that for days. <laughs> well, depending on the broadcast, someone might have fixed it so it has the one L. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Chris might have imagined that he saw it on a broadcast that he most definitely yeah. did not see. <laughs> And this is the type of witty repartee that you can expect on our Mirror Image podcast, guys. I can't wait to talk to you. Until then, I have been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Alison Pregler. And I've been Matt Dale. And thank you. Thank you very much. Oh. <laughs> thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Alison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap Podcast is Albert Burge. 
Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Morgan Felden and Charles Allen Gossard are the producers. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit barrenspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap Podcast is a Baron Space production. This is the idealized version of Elvis in the 50s in this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the good thing is they're both dead, so neither of them can sue us for slander. Priscilla so. Presley, did she die? Yeah, she died a couple of years ago, I believe. Oh. Let me double check that. I'm looking at Wikipedia. Uh, no, she's not alive. Not on Wikipedia. Oh, shit. She's We're alive. doing very bad with the facts. <laughs> She's 76. I really thought that she died a couple of years ago. Didn't he have a, another wife before that? Or maybe it was just he just slept around a lot. I don't know. He definitely had a lot of the ladies. Well, I'm going to cut all that Priscilla Presley stuff out. So maybe I'll keep it for the, the blooper reel. Well, <laughs> maybe it's when Leslie Nielsen died. I conflated her dying with because of the Naked Gun movies. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, cutting that from the podcast. <laughs> So, Ixnay on the Rosilla Prey, she could sue us. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <clears throat> you ate a dry cookie, too. No, I ate I ate a couple of dried apricots, and now there's something in the back of my throat. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apricot. That was what we were talking about before the podcast. I had a cookie, and it was dry, and now <laughs> he's coughing, too. Was that what you were talking about when I couldn't hear you? I yeah. just saw the green yes. glows. It's like, what am I yep. missing, you guys? Oh. oh, yeah, you missed the cookie talk. Lots of cookie talk. Not featured on Patreon. Don't worry about it. <laughs> good, good. I'll, I'll be sure not to listen to it. <laughs> My ancestor was a Confederate cavalryman who was shot off his horse and wounded in view of the drunk... Drunkard? Dunkard Church? <laughs> Drunkard Church. Dunkard, yeah. I read that as Drunkard Dunkard. Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll start over. One of the things that um, Aiden had mentioned was the fact that he had never read any of the novels. And um, also, I'm sorry, it's that damn apricot. Um, I'll start that again. The apricot, you mean? The apricot. You know, it's funny. I was coming upstairs and um, Laura said, what are you eating? And I said, I have an apricot, uh, dried apricot. And she said, isn't it apricot? And I said, I usually say apricot. I don't know why I said apricot, but I reserve the right to say apricot at any time without explanation. <laughs> so that was literally a conversation we had about 20 minutes ago. Aw, you guys. I've always said apricot. Is is it wrong? <laughs> I usually say apricot. I think that's one of those tomato-tomato situations. Yeah, exactly. Although no one really says tomato. Is that an English thing? Do you say tomato over there? No, it's, it's always... Yeah, tomato. Sorry, the way you said. <laughs> yeah, the way you, you always said, say tomato. Yeah, yes. all right. So it's just the way you said it. It just sounded weird coming from your accent, but with the the British pronunciation. <laughs> is, is that like when a really white person's like quesadillas? <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend that once read it on the menu and said, "Can I have those quizdeladas?" <laughs> Quiz quizdeladas. Excuse me, no. <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, "You mean quesadilla?" Quistaladas. <laughs> As someone from Arizona, uh, that's very funny because usually <laughs> we would get like the pronunciation of these words correct for the most part. <laughs>
All right, I think I'm going to start again. All that's going to be great on the blooper reel. <laughs> apricot, apricot. Let's call the whole thing off, Matt. And this is the kind of witty repartee, 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 repartee. This is the kind of this is the kind of witty banter. That <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm going witty crazy. Repartee. Feet I'm repartee, repartee, and this is. <laughs> R- rapport, our rapport, repartee, <laughs> repartee, stuff, repartee. stuff, talk, quesadillas or whatever. I don't, I can't even <laughs> say it how your friend said it. Quesadillas, quesadillas, quesadillas. <laughs> we were so not in Elfa's zone. <laughs> I know. I had to bring it back somehow. I forgot all about that. Thank I you. keep saying Elfus. <laughs> Elfus. Elfus. That's his Christmas version. <laughs> We can't go on together with suspicious minds. Suspicious minds. Gack me with a spoon.